Hello and welcome to Kung the Bull and the Post Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben and as always I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. Claire. Hey. And Pete. Hello. Today we're going to do an anthology of the strange because it's been a while since you've done one and I like them. And I've not done one yet. That's so. true, this is Breaking Pete's anthology <laughs> virginity. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> it's broken now. But I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're going to do that today. First we'll thank some new and returning listeners from around the globe. Sophia in Bulgaria, Atlanta, Georgia, Concord, North Carolina, Sydney, Australia, uh, Los Angeles, California, Frankfurt and Maine in Germany, Karachi in Pakistan, Worcester Park in the UK, St. Clair Shores in Michigan, that's a new one, yeah. Edmonton in Canada, got a Canadian story tonight, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, what's all that about then? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Rauklaw in Poland, Fort Worth, Texas, Bengaluru in India, welcome back, A Man in Jordan, Boardman, Oregon, Guadalajara, Spain, San Francisco, California, Ashburn, Virginia, and Dublin, Ireland, number one this week, wow. welcome back to all of you. Welcome back. I read the last sort of top ten there. Do they, do they really say a boot? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Have you not watched Trade Park, well, boys? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, what's it called? South Park? Yeah. Really? Oh, I thought that. What are you talking about? Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love our Canadian cousins. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yes, they're the least offensive yank-like kind of people. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> They'd probably apologise to you. <laughs> so, I thought the strange is where we find stuff that's not quite enough for an episode. It's not weird news. This is still a cool story. So, how can we? You know, bring that into a show. And this is what we do, the Anthology of the Strange. I don't forget what number we're on. Seven. Seven. Oh, they're getting like Trios of Horrors. <laughs> so this is my one that I'm going to open with this one. How Pepsi once owned the world's sixth largest navy. What? Slightly factually incorrect, it was the seventh. So it's bollocks straight from the, <laughs> out the gate. When a lot of these articles were written, it was a few years ago. So things have sort of changed. At that and point, it probably was. Maybe. Yeah. Where were they in, in comparison to the Scientologist Navy? Oh, they had more than the Scientologists. No, yeah, the Sea Org. Yeah. Although I don't know what the strength Sea Org is at right now, in all fairness. But back then it was, what, five ships? Something like that? Never. So Pepsi, it's an iconic brand. It's renowned globally. Love a Pepsi. Prefer Pepsi Max to anything. Over, I'm a Pepsi guy. I'm a Pepsi over Coke, yeah. Coca Cola, all the way, full fat. Oh. Enjoy your teeth while you have them. In a glass bottle. I don't hold it in my mouth for like 10 minutes at a time, just, so I think we're good. No. But could you ever imagine a company or a brand, even it's as big as Pepsi, owning a navy? And one as big as the world's sixth largest. And it's, it is true, they owned a fleet Was for they? a brief period. Was it powered on baby fetuses? Aborted baby fetuses? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> Why would it be? <laughs> well, that's a rumour, isn't it? Is it? Pepsi's got aborted baby fetuses in there. And that's why people like it so much. I guess. Oh. Who knows? Maybe this gives it added zing. <laughs> <laughs> no ones that like it. What <laughs> baby fetuses? Uh, my, that explains why we look so youthful. That's it. <laughs> We're just getting a constant supply of stem cells. <laughs> the adrenochrome people have got it all wrong. <laughs> it's all about the Pepsi. <laughs> so was it painted up like a Pepsi can then, these ships? No, 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 no. Oh. It's not that exciting. But it's a, it's a bit of a fun Cold War story. Did it fire cans of Pepsi? 
<laughs> you know what, Mike? Maybe they could have been rigged to do that. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> a massive can yeah. of Pepsi torpedo. <laughs> you see, you try and catch it, takes your hand off. You wouldn't want to drink it even if you caught it. Imagine a fist up your hand. You think, like, warheads, they'd use Pepsi Max. Oh. <laughs> Maximum penetration. <laughs> You'd pay for your enemy, though, wouldn't it? On a can of coke. <laughs> Wasn't it Pepsi that did, uh, yeah, Pepsi s- like, uh, see-through coke? Like no, that was Coca-Cola, was it? Yeah, Coke Tab Clear. Tab That's Clear. Right. I thought that was its own brand, Tab. No, it was owned by Coke. I remember it being owned by one of the big Coke. I'll tell you what I used to like, Virgin Cola. Yeah, yes, that was nice, it was wasn't nice. it? It was. It was like in between the two, I yeah. think. It wasn't quite as yeah. claggy as no, Pepsi. Crane Cola's all right. It was claggy. That was Sainsbury's. Panda Cola can't beat Panda. Oh, <laughs> pandas. Oh dear. It's got pandas in it, though. Has it? Yeah. Panda fetuses. That's why, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's why there's no baby pandas. <laughs> Every time there's a panda Maybe. born, it gets whisked away quickly to make some coke. <laughs> they were moon pandas. Cola, sorry. Cola. Other colas are available. That's yeah. just a champion Coke and Pepsi and Virgin here. That's other, why. Other colas are available. So I thought I'd mention a good old British brand of Panda. British, I'm assuming so. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. I'm pretty sure. It's it only is. owned by Pepsi or Coke. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's the runoff they don't yeah, use. Yeah, it's like water. <laughs> it's the runoff. That's if what it look, is. If you look closer, yeah, they weren't just pandas. They were moon pandas. They were pandas yeah. on the yeah. moon. Like moon, moon helmets on. Yeah. yeah. And they were on the moon. Yeah. Plotting yeah. their invasion. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of space, nice segue there. In the aftermath of the Russian launch of the Sputnik 1 satellite in 1957, the United States was looking to regain the centre stage globally and show to the world that its economical model was better than a communist one presented by those dastardly commies, the USSR. Breathe! (laughs) (laughs) So in 1959, the then US President Ike Dwight D. Eisenhower, who met the aliens, felt the best way to do this was to bring American culture to the Russians and show them the benefits of a capitalist society. And in 1959, he's probably spot on to do that. Yeah. It's the yeah. American wet dream capitalism, 1959, mm. isn't it? Yeah. When the system the actually works. Not the peak of the powers, yeah. Yeah, the unions are strong, the system works. It's the best standard of living anywhere on the world and ever yeah. has been. Yeah. No one had it better than the 50s and 60s in America. Nope. Not under the, the capitalist... And they certainly had it better than the Russians in 1959, who were still rebuilding after World War II. Yeah. And to accomplish this objective, the American government arranged the American National Exhibition in Moscow's Sokolniki Park. In this exhibition, a host of American brands sponsored booths were present, including Pepsi, Disney, IBM, etc. And then US Vice President Richard Nixon also attended the opening. Tricky yeah. Dicky. Tricky Dicky. Uh, uh, That's how long he'd been in the White House, so by 59 he was Ike's right VP. Huh. During the exhibition, Richard Nixon and Soviet Union leader Nikita Khrushchev got a bit of time for Khrushchev as leader, actually. Him and Kennedy had a good rapport going on. Never met the bloke on. No, no. Historically, I mean, he did build the Berlin Wall, which was terrible. But as he's been still better than Stalin, wasn't he? It doesn't take a lot, does it? Still better than Stalin. How many people did you kill? Uh, only four million. Oh, you're better than Stalin then. <laughs> a lot better. Ninety-nine point nine recurring, almost infinitely, is better than Stalin, aren't they, on the planet? 
<laughs> yeah. He's up there with one of the worst ever, isn't he? Yeah. He's on the top ten list. He certainly is. Well, he's up top one or two, depending on where you sit, really. Yeah. Definitely ruined the name Joseph, didn't he? <laughs> certainly did. <laughs> and the moustache. Mm. So, them two, Ushchev and Nixon, got into a heated argument over the topic of communism versus capitalism and the efficiency of their respective economic models. And at that moment, the head of Pepsi International, Donald Kendall, offered the Soviet leader a Pepsi to cool down the situation. Uh-huh. Literally, genuinely did that, thinking on his feet. Here you go, General Secretary, have a glass of Pepsi. Try things that you think of that. And he fucking loved it. Good job he wasn't Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh. <laughs> You're absolutely right. In this scenario, it's a great job that Cristiano Ronaldo was not head of the Soviet Union in 1957. Because yeah. yeah. world history could have gone very, very wrong. Yeah, just batted that Pepsi away oh. and gone, bring me water. <laughs> bring me vodka in this scenario. Yeah. He's Russian. I mean, he loved it. This publicity coup accelerated Kendall career. He became the company's president and chief executive in 1963. Some years after that exhibition, the USSR wanted to strike a deal with Pepsi in 1972. But since their money wasn't really accepted throughout the world, the Russian ruble was certainly not accepted by the West, because you've got to keep those commies down. God, how times have changed. Mm. Right. <laughs> there was an issue as to how the Russian government would pay for the exchange, and that's when the idea came. Vodka. Vodka. Russian vodka. Under the New Deal, the Soviet Union would provide vodka from its state-owned brand, Stolichnya, for resale in the US in exchange for Pepsi. You give us Pepsi, we'll give you vodka. And that becomes... You rot our teeth, we rot your liver. (laughs) If only they put the two together, they would have had a perfect drink. This stupid American, they do not realise we kill them slowly with our vodka. They just give us Pepsi. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in the fact, it experienced immediate popularity in the US, selling 30,000 cases annually in a year, and in, by 1980, it had topped a whopping 1 million cases a year, making it the second most popular vodka in America. See, my plan worked. <laughs> so Pepsi had a great deal out of this. It's like Dracula. Alright, Vlad, calm down. I want to drink your blood. <laughs> I want you to drink my vodka. (laughs) So by the late late 1980s, the USSR's agreement with Pepsi was about to expire. However, unlike in previous years, their vodka now wouldn't be enough to satisfy Pepsi to continue or renew the agreement. And this was mainly due to the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, to which the American people responded by boycotting Russian products, including vodka. See, they go on to a domestic brand of vodka instead. No, they don't like my vodka. (laughs) The Soviets really don't want to lose Pepsi. They really don't want to lose Pepsi. Well, they've fucked it now, haven't they? (laughs) So they put forth a rather unorthodox trade idea with Pepsi. They stated that in exchange for its product, they would give Pepsi a fleet of ships, including 17 submarines or diesel-powered, Submarine. Yeah, a frigate, a cruiser, a handful of ore tankers, and a destroyer, hence, instantly making Pepsi the owner of the sixth largest navy on the planet. Oh my word, that's hilarious. In exchange for Pepsi? Yep. So they could have Pepsi again. They really. Because these are obsolete ships. 
Yeah. But what Pepsi are you gonna do with seventeen submarines? Well, they're gonna scrap them and go make them to war with Coca Cola. <laughs> <laughs> the Coke Wars just turned hot, baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> mm. even though they're diesel submarines, I guess they could still technically have intercontinental ballistic missile capability. Of course they could. It's only the engine that's running them. Mm. And the engines in our nukes, they've still got diesel engines in them. Get back up, sure. That work all the time anyway. Oh, yeah, I suppose they would, wouldn't they? Which think helps keep the nuclear engine running as well, and little things like that. There's lots of little other bits to help it know, man, run the ship. I don't know if I'd want my safety to a diesel engine. You could tell if you'd, like the old stokers used to stink a diesel. Yeah. They, they, they were in the diesel lab, and yeah, not nice. But the Pepsi Coke Wars, that's a war fighting. Who's siding on that? Obviously, you've got that. Your Coke, you said your Coke. I know, yeah. now I know that they've got their own fucking subs. <laughs> I think I might side with them, use my old experience and say, look, I'll captain one of your boats. I'll take on Coke. Go straight to you, 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 want to go straight, you, you wanted to go back in time the other week and shoot people and take over the planet. Yeah, <laughs> I've always wanted my own submarine. <laughs> it was a plan of mine. I was always thinking about mutinying one day and taking it all for myself and just <laughs> kicking everyone out. And <laughs> Father, captain from the torpedo tubes. I am clearly joking, by the way. Don't be sending the FBI round my house thinking I'm going to try and steal a sub. It's not going to happen. <laughs> oh man, Mike's going to be like your Sulu guy, Mr. Mike. Take us out. <laughs> You're, you're my I'm in charge. Of the, I'm you don't mean navigating. <laughs> I'm in charge of the poop deck. <laughs> it's not what you think it is, Mike. <laughs> you can be in charge of the gas compactor then. Can I just have the security team? You want to be the cocks? You can be a cock. I'll be a cock. <laughs> <laughs> a cock most of the time. You can be the coxswain. No cocks on my poop deck, please. <laughs> <laughs> Well, despite the newly established Pepsi Navy, it was far from battle ready, with the ships and submarines in serious disrepair, with only one of the ships being truly seaworthy, while all the submarines had serious rust issues. I can weld, it's all right. (laughs) I'm good. Nonetheless, the United States government was certainly not pleased to see a corporation suddenly command enough naval firepower to square off with some nations in its entirety. They're not going to get very far with that lot, are they? No, they're not, but it's still, it's like... Let's go take Madagascar! Why why have you suddenly got 17 submarines? Which at the time actually puts it just behind India in terms of attack sub-fleet on its own. (laughs) Well, it could take Madagascar. That's what I mean. What little country could just take Madagascar, that'll do. No one will miss that. So yeah, the US government was not happy, but Pepsi CEO Donald Kendall, who had first introduced Khrushchev to the beverage, responded to America's complaints by reminding the Pentagon he'd just managed to reduce the number of ships at the Soviet's disposal by a considerable number. (laughs) Uh, To quote him, he said, I'm dismantling the Soviet Union faster than you are! (laughs) (laughs) Boom! Boom! (laughs) Take that bitch! So that's an epic burn. And eventually Pepsi sold the ships to a Swedish recycling company for scrap as the company needed to recoup the cost of shipping its product to the USSR. Regardless of this, it remains that it was true that for some time Pepsi was the owner of one of the world's largest navies, showing what can happen when a country's citizens really love a particular consumer product. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? 
I love it. Yeah. I, I love that burn, which is one of the reasons I put it in. It's like, what product can I create that someone will <laughs> want to swap me a fucking fleet of, of ships? Well, the thing is, is now you this, want a fleet? You just want a fleet? <laughs> World this, domination, baby. This isn't actually that uncommon. Russia traded a lot of stuff uh, with the barter system during the days of the Cold War and so were... Like Libya as well would do its countries that are on these sort of economic blacklist whose currencies aren't really because they've been because the West or judges well the West judges them as naughty boys mm-hmm. can't export or they've got embargoes they'll barter so it's not that uncommon they would no you but you'll barter what you make yeah. do you know what's funny I'm genuinely trying to think what I can like create now that some <laughs> what could they honey oil I don't know like some like what bloody Ricky does in Trader Park Boys and sells off to bloody mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't think, dog. I don't think you're going to come up with an idea like that in a space in this podcast though Pete damn <laughs> work on it for next week yeah man I'm getting myself I, wanna, I want I want you to put yourself in a room with red string and bits of paper all over the walls yeah. and everything connects I want that yeah I'm on it <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got another two days off I'm good Happy Easter, everyone, by the way. Oh, yeah, and big shout out to Judas for providing us with this weekend. For providing us with chocolate. You know, if it wasn't for Judas, we wouldn't have four days off. And a big giant bunny rabbit. Not freaky at all. No. Hello. Okay. Justin Trudeau is Fidel Castro's son. Okay. There's a picture there. Is this a fact or a. No, this is a conspiracy conspiracy theory. theory. Right. Okay, cool. There you go, there's some pictures, you can go as yourself. This is from the nyulocal.com forward slash New World University. Justin Trudeau is Fidel Castro's son. We're looking at a series of pictures here. There are similarities, I'll give them that. Yeah, the nose, the mouth. The face. I think he looks a lot like Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. In that, in, with that Do you know period, what? Yeah. Genuinely, at first, I did think he was like Liam, Liam Neeson. <laughs> and then I realised it was Castro, but... Yeah, but do you know what? They're completely different fucking aspectual pictures. They're completely different, so you don't get contouring or anything like that in the same way. So you could you could probably put 50 fucking celebrities against Castro's younger picture, certainly, and have, oh, look, it could be fucking, what's his tits? Fucking Rogan's mate, Pineapple Express. What's his... Uh, James, James Franco. That could be uh. James Franco. Look at it. That could be yeah, James good. Franco just I'll, as much. I want to see James Franco <laughs> play Fidel on him. One of the few in his di- younger years. One of the dictate that one. I do agree with you there. Actually, the middle picture. You, you know what I mean, James Franco. Yeah, you could put a few celebrities against there and say, "Oh, don't they look similar?" And the next one down, fuck all. Other than the, no, he looks like the husband, ex-husband of um, Courtney Cox, David Arquette in it. Yeah, yeah, doesn't he? But in that in that bottom photo where. The only similarity is they got us the tash. tash. Yeah. yeah. I co- fucking complete bullshit straight off. Well, Boom. I think there's some similarities in the face. There I'm is. Going with it. I, I just want to point out, this has had to be officially denied by the Canadian government. Well, that must be true ha- then. They have had to release <laughs> a... St- can't trust... You, are, you, are you, of all people, trusting what a, a government tells you? No, that's why I said it must be true. There we go. Fantastic. Mike's on my side. I'm not. <laughs> so I politicians can never tell the truth, so... Well, the rumour has it the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is not the son of former PM Pierre Trudeau, but is instead the illegitimate son of Cuban dictator Fidel Castro instead. 
Apparently Margaret had visited Cuba at nine months before Justin was born, had a tryst with Castro and went back to Canada to give birth to Justin. So there is something in it at least. Say again, Glenn. Had a tryst. Yeah. Mm. So there is something in it in the sense that if it's all genuine, if, that, if that's true, not just someone's made that up, then all right, the timeline kind of... Adds up. Adds up, it, yeah. Sadly, according to official policy, it does not. <laughs> right. right, well, there you go. That's but I mean. that's just what they want you to think. Mm. Just like the whole black flag in it. False flag? False flag in it. Mm. All that kind of stuff, isn't it, really? None of that happened, but it fucking did. Well, uh, suppose... Kennedy got shot because of it. Well, <laughs> we'll do Kennedy one day. That's going to be like a three or four part. <laughs> It'll be our biggest episode ever, probably. Supposedly the Castro's knew with one of Castro's sons allegedly referring to Justin as his brother in his suicide note saying that Fidel was, quote, always comparing me unfavourably with Justin, dismissing my achievements in comparison to his success in Canada. But what was I to do? I am Cuba. I'm Cuban. My brother is Canadian. If he was born and raised in Cuba, he would have lived in our father's shadow forever, just like me. Hold on, when did his father die? When did Castro die? Not that long ago, was it? No, it wasn't. It was in the 2000s. It was, it was like under Obama, tw- That could be it? 20 years ago. You might be right. It might have been under Obama. Like 10 years ago, maybe. 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 Okay. I know you're a fact-checker, Pete. Well, uh, all right, here's another one. Justin Trudeau, yeah, he's about 12, isn't he? He's young, isn't he? How old's Justin Trudeau? Well, he's going to be in his 40s, are not he? Yeah. I thought so. I'm just, I'm just trying to work out like whether he would have had any kind of political presence when Castro was still no, no, talking no, 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 with no. his son, saying, like, you should be jealous of Justin kind of thing. Well, was Justin just... would be in Canadian Parliament, wouldn't he, at that point? It's what I'm yeah. trying to work out. Like, but Apparently, though, this is fake. After the above-mentioned article was published, news sites were very quick to respond, all of them disproving the theory. Fact-checkers pointed out that Justin was born nine months after his parents... Honeymoon, and that Margaret didn't visit Cuba for the first time until four years after Justin was born, and Cuban media has yet to mention a suicide note in the case of Castro's Cuban son, but they do look like each other in some pictures. He died in 2016. Good. Okay. So. Six years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a little one. I like that. I like fun. It was a fair age as well, to be fair. There's definitely some... I think that one, the top some, one... There are some similarities. The top one, I think, we've got some similarity oh, there. But, but he, he does look more like Liam Neeson than he yeah. does he looks like Trudeau. Franco, he looks like David Arquette, so... I, I just, do you know I, what I mean? I think... I do think it's complete bullshit. Still, they had to put a denial <laughs> out. And, and Trudeau did praise Castro when he died. Well, Castro wasn't that fucking much of a twat, was he, really? He was deemed a twat. For a dictator, he's, he wasn't that bad to A lot of people still got arrested and tortured yeah, yeah. for their sexual beliefs and or was, leanings. And there was no political beliefs. And political well. beliefs, but yeah. also sexual leanings. He did not like homosexuals. But that happened in a lot of countries anyway, even ones that weren't under a dictatorship. No. That um, kind of shit happened in this country not that much earlier. But Alan Turing was chemically castrated in the what? 50s, early 50s, late 40s. Couldn't go into the forces if you were homosexual and... Not if you're a friend of Dorothy. 
friend of Dorothy. That's what they used to say in America. The American yeah, argument. Yeah. They, used to, that's when they, used to, they weren't allowed to ask if you were gay, but they, they'd ask if you were a friend of you're Dorothy. You're a friend of Dorothy. <laughs> but if you're no, average... no, I'm not. I don't like her at all. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're an average Cuban, your life is a lot better under Castro than it was before. Hey, at least you got free healthcare. The free healthcare, else. guaranteed job, guaranteed house, mm. tidy education. More doctors per capita than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Okay. This is my pick. The forgotten Italian tradition of building monumental food palaces and then destroying them in a literal Hunger Games. What? <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is obscure. I've never, ever heard of this. Yep. Ever. It's from the gastro of obscure. Atlas obscure. And apologies for any background noise, there's still we are experiencing a bit of an Easter heat wave. It is warm, we've got the window open a little bit, so you might get some background noise. Let's start with this. In 1768, Austrian princess Maria Carolina married Ferdinand IV, the king of Naples, and to celebrate they had a magnificent fake fortress built in front of their Neapolitan royal palace and decorated with delicious food. At a signal from the king, a mob of ne Neapolitan, Neapolitan. Neapolitan commoners waded through a moat stocked with live fish, slipped through the mud, and grabbed all the food to the light of the noble spectators. So they just sat in this palace decorated with food. Yeah. And they were like, come on, peasants, attack our mighty fortress. <laughs> Everyone just runs towards the food as they grab as much as they can because they're fucking starving. The event was a tradition of Naples and other Italian cities because nothing caps off a royal wedding or holiday like watching hungry people fight for food. <laughs> Temporary temples, pyramids and castles are plastered in roasts, bread and cheese which the poor risk their lives to gather. <laughs> pyramid of cheese? <laughs> I'd kill for a pyramid of cheese, wouldn't you? I'm picturing, like, gladiators. Remember, like... Do you feel the power of the gladiators? Three, two, one. I'm picturing like the pyramid one where they're all running up the pyramid. Yeah. But, but like just full of cheese and everyone's like ripping each other off it. Off. Someone gets to the top and then they get pulled down. and Yeah, that's, that's just what I'm picturing in my head now. <laughs> With jet and lightning. Oh, jet. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Dressed yeah. in nothing but cheese. <laughs> Ooh. Cheese strings. Yeah. Ooh, cheese strings. <laughs> yes, a cheese string G string. Mm. Mm. These are <laughs> <laughs> slightly aroused. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I had to watch a safety video at work and who does it but Jet. Wow. Yeah, because she broke her back. Oh, no, right. I didn't and know that. She did a safety video so, afterwards. Who explained? Listeners, if we're the 1990s show Gladiators in the UK, Jet was one of the female gladiators. The it Americans like, may know it because yeah, the, the Americans American know it. You'd have the same thing. American gladiators and they used to join up as well from time to time. Maybe. So you may even know of yeah. Jet. Maybe she was on the originals, wasn't she? So yeah, man, hot brunette. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Well, you can say that. I'm, I'm not Kukanga. good at Italian. Kukanga festivals represented an earthly paradise where no one went hungry. For centuries, European poets and artists described the magical land of Kakanya, where the lazy were king and food fell from the sky. So it was like a communist paradise. Yeah. <laughs> we're going a bit deeper into what 
Cocagne or cocaine, I don't know how you pronounce it. The birds fly right into your mouth and there isn't animal poop everywhere. This was the me- I would say a, peasant, a medieval peasant's dream world. Cocagne like lasagna. Yeah. Yeah. It's the dream of the common person's utopia was a little bit different during medieval times, whereas today we have visions of lands of plenty like a Huge mountain made of rock candy, the common peasant living in the muck and the mire of medieval Europe has a whimsical, satirical dreamland known as Cocagne. Or cocaine. Might be cocaine. I think it's I'm going for cocaine, I think. You know, I think it's, but earlier it, the had, French, it had the other, the other way to say it. I think it's, that's more the, the Europeanised version, that's a little French, I think. They'd have been the dominant European power at the time, I guess. We saw a lot of words in the French. Mm. But not surrender. We saw even saw surrender. That's a French word. Just throwing that out there. Uh, while there were many different versions of cocagne appearing in literature through the ages... You just said cocagne, and then cocaine. he said cocagne. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should go with cocagne. It's obviously the natural one that okay. comes... Well, well, go whatever you <laughs> Cocaine. Oh, damn it! As a medieval dream world of the regular order, things were flipped on its head. In cocaine, the poor be rich, food and sex were freely available, and sloth was treasured and respected above all else. I want to go there. <laughs> it was often portrayed as the perfect daydream of the common peasant, a place where the drudgery and struggle of medieval life was nowhere to be seen. However, even though it was depicted as a serf's perfect world, it's unclear how the concept of cocaine the average person would have had. Literal land of milk and honey made its mark in the popular imagination thanks to countless poems and writings that began to appear all over medieval Europe from the 1300s onwards. They're basically saying that their peasantry minds couldn't have even conceived what a cocagne would have been because they, they would have never had the comprehension of what could be possible. They'd have just been thinking of vegetables and fucking a sheep or something. No, I think it's... They work long hours (laughs) on farms that are difficult to till and then there's a war on, you get called up to fight and with no giving a spear and a shield and told to go and kill for someone for your king. And it's a shitty life with long hours. They'd have never seen... Short life. Short life. They'd have never seen fancy food. No. So their imagination of a cocagne would be like... It's just it's something. A few turnips. It might be different from town to town, region yeah. to region, but they've all got this same concept of this yeah. mythical land. It's this poem, and we'll go for it now. While there are a great number of versions of cocaine, the most widely known account is a poem from around 1350 called The Land of Cocaine, contained in what is thought to be a friar's notebook. The poem details many of the barely imaginable wonders what cocaine has to offer and give us an unforgettable look into both the nature and the satire and aspirations of people at the time. In the poem, it's said to lie somewhere west of Spain, but in reality, the promised land never had any concrete location on the map. The problem is, we don't know where it is. That's the issue. Yeah. Once a person reaches there, what will they find exactly? And according to the poem, some very strange and very domestic pleasures. After first describing the traditional Christian paradise as boring utopia with nothing but fruit, saints and no alcohol, <laughs> the poem presents cocaine as the ultimate back and out, as is the worship of Bacchus, isn't it? It's like getting drunk on wine. Yeah. Free of the unpleasantness of medieval life, there were no horses, pigs or other domestic animals. Not because they're ostracised, just there's nothing to shovel. You've got to shovel that shit out. Yeah. And you're living with these animals, remember? 
You are ankle deep in blood and shit running through the streets in some places. <laughs> and piss. Literally. You are. Yeah. It was an early medieval period. Everything's running down the street into yeah. a big drain at the bottom. Probably why shoes were invented. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> boots, definitely. <laughs> Waterproof boots. Animals that could pose a new threat or nuisance to a medieval peasant, like a snake or a fox, are nowhere to be seen. There's no night, no storms, and no one dies. The rivers flow with oil, milk, honey, and wine. And one line in the poem even says the only use for water is to bathe. Water as a beverage simply isn't decadent enough for cocaine. <laughs> I wouldn't like it there, then. I think it runs in stripes down the river. Mm. <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, the, the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Yeah. Oh, this bit's fantastic. At their cocky monastery, the monks spend their days flying around until being caught to the ground when the abbot spanks a maiden on her bare behind. Mm -hmm. Their only concern is being frivolous and lazy when not casually bedding the nuns served here by convent. Is this what the monks are dreaming about? <laughs> oh, we all fly around till the abbot spanks a girl on her arse and then we all come <laughs> back down and then we sneak out at night and have sex with the nuns mm. over the river. Well, they're not allowed to have sex throughout life, but basically when they go yeah. to heaven, it's a full-on orgy with I, all the monks. I guess it's got to be, hasn't it? That's got to be your reward, surely. Fair enough. It's got to be, I don't know, I have no idea, but in the medieval mind, certainly. I mean, it's a I big... always thought nuns were, like, married to God. Yeah. I thought that was why they don't have sex, is because they're married to God. This is a fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it's not a real place. Aww. <laughs> Aww. I was hoping to go there from we all these issues. Fuck. I like it. Sounds fantastic. It's better than the traditional heaven with Cliff Richard and fucking... <laughs> Jimmy Savile. <laughs> well, he'll be there, won't he? Now, fully cooked larks fly right into their mouths in a series of springs that flow over precious jewels, pour forth wine and medicine. It is singularly strange, but one can see how someone living in medieval Europe will be focused on such things. While it's not talked about these days, its spirit lives on in songs like the hobo classic Big Rock Candy Mountain and even things like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. Although it has morphed away from much of the cultural commentary of the medieval concept, it's interesting, it's become a kind of children's story. Yeah. That's fun, I like it. I'd go for that. I'd, I'd fight to the death for a wheel of cheese as a medieval uh. person because what else is there going on? Well, it says no one goes hungry, yeah. Because they're either with... dead or they get food. Mm. Well, yeah, I was going to say, but people are dying. Yeah. So it's not... Yeah, but they're not hungry anymore. No, no, they're not fighting anything cocaine. That's the... Oh, no, but... The food palaces, yeah, they're fighting yeah. to the death for stuff. Yeah. But then again, they get to go with cocaine if they do. If they do die, they get to go there. And have funny cut larks fly into their mouths. <laughs> it's fantastic. I'd go there for an holiday. I couldn't do it all the time. Birds flying in my mouth. <laughs> you, you just click that. Bird chicken just comes down. You go, arr, arr. <laughs> You're like Homer Simpson in yeah. space with chips. Yeah. <laughs> my kind of holiday. Well, I suppose it, I, I could, I could imagine donuts, couldn't I? Mm. Yeah. Anything what, you want. What would I imagine? I'd vary it the, the boobs. <laughs> <laughs> little boobs just flying into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> But you eat human flesh. <laughs> 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 what are these? Are 
they candy boobs, chocolate boobs? You gotta have something as, as with a woman on them, I, I suppose. You're <laughs> <laughs> grain in a sea of tits. <laughs> Just generally bare breasted women flying at me. There we go. That's what I'd like. Fair enough. <laughs> Kukanga festivals brought the dream world of cocaine to life, but instead of paradise, there were demonstrations of wealth and power that often descended into brutality. Creating a real-life cocaine, cocaine, oh man, it's confusing me, cocaine, meant displaying massive quantities of fruit, cheese, meat and bread in beautiful configurations. Marsha Reed, the chief curator of the Getty Research Institute, explains, but not all of the bounty was dead. It also featured hunts of live pigs, bulls and birds. In 1716, Bologna had a Cacanio-inspired feast of the roasted pig. Well, that smells delicious. Mm. Men with spears pursued loose bulls while commoners climbed Cacanio trees in the gardens. The trunks were covered in grease, so only those nimble could pluck the whole live birds tied to or nailed to the branches. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. The most elaborate were always in Naples, and the first Cacagna displays were more like parade floats. But by the 18th century, they were stationary, and for the name day of the Holy Roman Empress Elizabeth Christina, a massive stage like Cacagna was built in 1722. Statues of gods and angels adorned each plinth, but a closer look reveals an unusual embellishment. Studying every wall and column were breads, Pastries, swags of fruit, vegetables, livestock and fowl. They were so popular that we used to celebrate everything from saints days to royal birthdays. Nobility usually sponsored the monuments of local craftsmen and farmers set up the edible embellishments. And occasionally fireworks accentuated the beautiful scenes. While people fight to death over temples <laughs> made of food. It's all like kind of fun though. It does, doesn't it? Without the death bit, mm. but... They could have just handed it out. Well, they, they could have just had like an order. See, if it was England, if it was England, there'd have been an orderly queue, <laughs> and they'd have all waited their turn very nicely. Hating it though, oh, hating yeah, it at the same time. He cut in. <laughs> this shows a sickness of the ruling elite, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They could just give it to them, but they want to make them work for it, yeah. and fight for it. It's yeah. entertainment for themselves. It's a bit like what do you call it? That South Korean show, Squid Games. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good game, sorry. It's a bit like that, in a yeah. way. It is, in a way. You don't have to participate, though, do you? No, of course not, but That's if you're true. starving... If you're starving, you're going to turn up, aren't you? Well, yeah. if there's, like, breads and stuff you're not used to, luxuries, then you, you're going to go for it, aren't you? Because any food you've got in, in a stash is... They're probably not thinking of death, either. They're just thinking of filling well, their bellies. Life's then... short and hard for these guys. They couldn't give a shit. Well, you don't you get a bit of a gang together, we'll, we'll, we'll get it like this. Yeah. Ocean's Eleven, that shit. Yeah. But it used to get pretty brutal and bloody. Oh, and so you have, you have a couple of thugs in your gang, you have a sneaky guy, you have a smart talker. No, I think quite a few thugs. You have a couple of dwarves, a couple of rogues. <laughs> yeah. And once at someone's wedding, live animals have been torn apart. That's a bit much. The philosophy was always excess, and too much was never a concept. They absorbed, Reed says, of the uh, Neapolitans. 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 I, keep, I want to say like the ice cream, but it's not, is it? Well, yeah, it is. It's the same as the ice cream. Yeah, that's but where yeah. the ice cream came from, isn't it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, the Neapolitan yeah. ice cream. 
Their idea of a good time was more fireworks, more food, more fountains. Sadly, there aren't many similar events these days. Well, sadly, that's because you got food banks or a shit version, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> very, a very tamed down version. A really shit version of it where you go, yeah, that's, it's just no fighting, everyone just gets something. It's disgusting, really. There's more food banks now in Britain than there are McDonald's restaurants. Yeah, there is. That's a stat I've read somewhere. One third of kids now grow up in poverty. That means they get to bed hungry most nights. You need a cocaine, yeah? Cocaine's not the answer. Should we create <laughs> one in the middle of Dorley? Yes. Let's do it. To the co-op. <laughs> and finally, for tonight. Yeah, these seven deadly plants and shrubs that can kill you if they're eaten. Some of them can also cause hallucinations and convulsions. Deadly nightshade. That's that's number three. Yeah. So we've got the first one, it's Anconite or Monk's Hood. Or Ooh. another name is Wolf's I've heard, Bane. I've heard of that before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wolf's Bane! Yeah. Something to do with werewolves, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Got pretty purple flowers, but all parts of the Monk's Hood plant, especially the root, are poisonous. It's native to Western and Central Europe, and in ancient times, hunters would use it on arrow tips as bait to kill wolves. Yeah. Uh, well, that's pretty fucking... It's tragic, because I mean, like wolves, but at the same time, it's like, that's pretty hardcore, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and if eaten, it can cause vomiting, diarrhoea and numbness. I'd rather the wolves didn't die, though. Mm. Numbness? I'm surprised they didn't use that, like, sort of... in. You know, use that for some sort of medicinal. Medicinal, yeah. maybe chew it for for dentistry or something to cause a bit of numbness. Surely someone's got to know what dosage is safe, haven't they? The druid or the or extract the wise part. woman. Extract the, the wise parts woman. that's poison and the part that's numb and use that. Yeah. So number two is the oleander. Oleander. Oleander is that how you say it? Commonly grown as a hedge or ornamental, all parts of the oleander plant are deadly and contain a lethal cardiac glycosides known as oladin and oleandrin. Oleandrin and nerine. If eaten, oleander can cause vomiting, diarrhea, erratic pulse, seizures, coma, and even death. Look at hell. Contact with the, the leaves or sap alone is skin irritant. And the toxins of the Orlando are also so strong that people have become ill after eating honey made by the bees that have visited the flowers. God, wipe them all out. (laughs) (laughs) Deadly nightshade. I've heard of this one. That's a giveaway. With bell-shaped purple flowers and shiny black berries, deadly nightshade can be found in scrubby areas of woodland, but also along paths and banks. Nightshade contains atropine, and scalopamine. scalopamine in its stems, leaves, berries and roots and causes paralysis in the involuntary muscles of the body, including the heart. So it could give you like a heart attack, mm, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it could do, yeah. Hmm. But birds and rabbits can, and cows can eat the berries. That's crazy, isn't it? Why doesn't it, you know, hmm. get there? Isn't they it might good? have natural immunity. Yeah. Like, somehow evolved it. Mm. It says some birds. Yeah, if they've been eating it for a while, just a little bit, you know. So this one's a, number four, white snake root. It's a, a North American herb with flat top clusters of small white flowers containing toxic alcohol known as um, Tremtol. 
it is notorious for being poisonous that can kill livestock and even eating meat or drinking milk from an animal that has grazed on it can kill a human. Mm. Jesus. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then you get... So all if the you just ate that, it would kill you straight away. Symptoms of milk poisoning include appetite loss, nausea, weakness, all of the, the above that, you know, the, the other yeah. ones do. So we, number five is castor oil plants. Oh, I've heard about this, yeah. I didn't think that would be quite deadly. It's you um, use quite a lot of castor oil. It's, you, so. If you ingest the oil, you're straight away, it's, called, it's a purgative, you just vomit and shit yourself. Uh-huh. Ah. In a civil war, some people were given were interrogated using castor oil in the American Civil War. Yeah, it's the seeds. They harbour an increased toxic chemical called ricin. Mm-hmm. Remember Breaking Bad? You've got yeah. that little, mm. They created that bit of ricin, didn't they? Yeah. It is a, a, a biological weapon, ricin, yeah. And it only takes four to eight seeds to get enough to kill somebody. Yeah, it's fucked up, isn't it? Mm. Number six, beautiful, an angel's trumpet. Ooh. Very pretty bell-like trumpet flowers. And they're woody-stemmed bushes with pendular flowers that hang like bells. They're prized and decorative uh, additions to garden because of their flowers. But all parts of the plant contain dangerous levels of poison and will be fatal for humans and animals. This Mm. plant has occasionally been used to create uh, a recreational drug Anyone know what that is? No. Doesn't say. But the risk of overdose is so high that its use often has deadly consequences. Probably one of us have heard of it. It's something someone tried a couple of times and didn't work out very well. Mm. Yeah, risk of high overdose. It's not good. You need customers to come back, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) That's your problem. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just killing lots of people. And last but not least, the birth wart. So it looks like a slug type. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking it looks like a slug. Another name for it that everyone else might know is a clematis. Oh. A climbing plant. It's commonly used in traditional medicine, even though it can cause kidney failure. Yeah, fucking hell. The US uh, Food and Drug, Drug Administration put out a warning encouraging consumers to stop taking medicines, in inverted commas. The plant roots and stem are all for, so full of this acid and therefore poisonous. Best not ingested. Well, nature, man, it's nasty, isn't it? These are British, aren't they? These are Britain, these are Wales, throughout all over. Yeah, American, but there are a few that you know that are in the UK. I like the old Venus fly traps. Have you seen them? Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. Or the buggy implants. Mm. Oh, it's just like little shop of horrors, man. Mm. Never watched it. No. Rick Morales. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. I'm not usually a fan of musicals. That's why I've never watched it. Yeah, the only good musical is South Park the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, and on that note, have we any fucked up facts? Are we gonna... Yeah. All right, cool. Theme tune. Facts, facts, fucked up facts, facts, facts. Facts. Hit us with some fucked up facts, Mike. Great whales have threesomes. Grey whales, eh? Mm. They're saucy big buggers. Yeah. Lovely. Why not? Why the fuck not? How do they do it? Like two boys, one girl, two oh. girls, one boy. I guess they do it. They mix it up. Yeah. That's all you fucking think about, isn't they're, it? They've got big cocks. They have, so it would be, it would, it'd be quite difficult, you know, to have two. 
Maybe the Voro. Yeah, they're mammals. They're down for that. One in the blowpipe. One in the. <laughs> you, you can say. One in the butt pipe. I don't know. Maybe horny mm. mammals. To be honest, none of us here are experts in how whales have sex. I don't know. I used to have a Mrs. Sally like that. <laughs> 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 what were you doing to a thing? <laughs> she was trying to create her own sonar. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> was she gagged? <laughs> Kind of. <laughs> Did you meet her at SeaWorld? <laughs> you know what? I nearly considered an article for that tonight about how a dolphin killed itself because it fell in love with its owner. Oh. And she's using her hand jobs. What? It's because dolphins get horny. Sorry, Listy, you can hear. We've had this as weird news. I know, but still, it was well, a. It was yeah, a one bloke that fell in love with a dolphin. No, it was a completely different story. I know, but we've had something similar. Yeah, but they, they were wanking dolphins off in that one. Well then, <laughs> professional baseballer Johnny Dickshot. <laughs> Why don't you just call him Cumfucker or something? <laughs> Johnny Cumfucker. <laughs> no, Johnny, Johnny Dickshot. Because let me guess, he smacks a ball at the bowler's dick or what, the pitcher's dick. <laughs> yeah. Just belts it back straight at his dick. In 1940s, he declared himself the ugliest man in baseball. Oh, because he'd been shot to his own dish. Yeah, he seems like an old bloke, doesn't he? Yeah. What's that doing? I mean, he's no. His jaws are fucked, isn't it? He's no Elvis Presley, but, you know. Check out his dick shot. (laughs) 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 Oh, dear. Only 16% of French people surveyed in 2015 said they could live without cheese. <laughs> I mean, that 16% of... 60 or 16? 16. 16. Yeah, I, I could. And they were probably all vegans. Mm. Yes, yeah, good point. Probably... No, they weren't vegans. They Vegetarians. Well, no, vegans don't do cheese. Yeah, vegetarians do. Yeah. Vegans don't. I'm saying those 16%. They couldn't live without cheese. Oh. Oh, no, so they could live without... Hold on, read it again. Only 16% of French people surveyed in 2015 said they could live without yeah, cheese. Yeah, and they that were probably all vegans. So, yeah, 84% couldn't live without cheese. That's yeah. quite high, isn't it? Of course it is cheese. So, and that's 16, I'd say that 16%, a big majority of that mm. would have been vegans. I've got you, know, yeah. And, and then you... there'd have been people that were lactose intolerant. Also true. Did you know that you can interest a woman by giving her a piece of cheese? Yeah, I said that maybe. I'll give her a bit of cheese. (laughs) (laughs) You're a cheesy cock. Slice it off, Pete. Slice (laughs) it off. (laughs) Get me a grater. (laughs) Oh. Oh, dear. Despite appearing in Trivial Pursuit as a correct answer... The reported fact that Otto Titzling invented the brassiere was a hoax in 1972. <laughs> Otto Titzling. Where's my Titzling? Why aren't bras called Titzlings? Yeah. yeah. Surely they'd have been called Titzlings if, if it was invented by a guy called Titzling. Titzling. Why aren't they called ladies? Let us know. It was what would you rather? Would you it? rather have a bra or a titsling? Titsling. It was titsling, you said, yeah. wasn't it? That's all right. Yeah. 
Claire's down for a titsling. If I ever change <laughs> my name... You bra shop and call it titslings. <laughs> if I ever change my name, I'm going to change it to titsling. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Titsling? No, no, no. Titsling. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a decent first name to go with it. Otto. He's <laughs> come with the original. She's Otto Titsling. It's a German name. It's like a German aristocracy. <laughs> I invented a bra, don't you know? <laughs> a big. A big titsling. <laughs> My family invented the bra, don't you know? Para. Para titsling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Getting better. Better than a big. <laughs> <laughs> a big. My name is a big. <laughs> 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 Mine's a big and pleased to meet you. <laughs> Ivor Hardy. Oh, shit. Ivor Wobbler. No. I probably titsling. <laughs> and we attempted a game of trivial pursuit, didn't we? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it was from the 1930s. Hey, I won that game! <laughs> he, he picked up all the cheese. <laughs> Better be. always pick up the cheese. But that was only be- without cheese. <laughs> that's only because we started playing it from online questions. I still won. Because the version I've got is a TV edition, and I had it as a birthday present when I was a kid, so it's from the 90s. It's TV questions, all about 50s, 60s, and 70s TV. <laughs> None of us are born in. <laughs> yeah, it was like. It was just impossible, wasn't it? It yeah. was like, question, oh, I got it wrong. We, play, we played for about half an hour and just swiftly gave up. I still won. Yeah. You did get a couple right on the original game. I did. I did. Point that out. Two of us king. Can anyone guess how many bits of plastic are in our oceans? How many um, bits? How many bits? Yeah. In billions or what? Tons, billions. No in number. 760 billion trillion. I can't comprehend. Who knows? No, I wouldn't have to give an estimate. They reckon experts of 5.25 trillion bits of plastic, 50 bits for every star in our galaxy. Oh, shit. That can't be right, otherwise, this thing would be literally just plastic. Microplastic, isn't it? Yeah, but even so. Yeah, there's, there's enough Lego bricks for more than one per person on, on the planet. Yeah, I guess. There's an AK-47 for one in six of us. Is there? Apparently. That's my go-to weapon then when we have the zombie apocalypse. AK-47. Well, it would be the ideal. You've got to find the ammunition then. I mean, it's just a logistical issue. Especially finding it in a NATO country would be difficult. Unless it's been rechambered. We got Donington close by. They got 5.56 SA80s there. Plenty True. of ammunition. I'm good. TA Centre on Dory Banks closest. The good stash up there. I should know. I used to be the master of the armoury. Mm. Looks quartermaster sergeant, so. Next fact. Mm-hmm. 30% of American adults would rather be dumb and happy than smart and sad. Did you say Wouldn't you everybody? Space, didn't they? Wouldn't mm-hmm. everybody? Yeah. Dumb and happy, the intelligent and sad. Actually, more, more, thirty-seven percent will prefer being smart and sad. Yeah. I guess it depends. I mean, the majority of people, because you know, no through no thought of their own, have just believe everything they're told, don't they? So, mm. they just get on with it, and they live their lives in that blissful ignorance, and they just get on with it. They do what's expected of them: go to work, earn money, pay your bills, have family, get married, get in the pub. I was really content with that. 
The simple life. The simple life, isn't it? Yeah, I heard a story from this guy when he was an American, and I think it was in the 70s he decided to go around the world, and he ended up in Afghanistan, and he came across, like he was a one-legged, blind young boy, and he was quite religious, and he said he was the happiest person he'd ever come across. This kid lived in absolute poverty, one arm, one one eye, one leg, sorry, one eye. When was that, Mike, in the late 1970s? In the 70s. In the late 1970s? I don't know. Well, the Russians invaded then, so I guarantee that kid was the grown. I, gu- I guarantee that kid was grown beneath the wheels on the Russian 272. <laughs> that poor, happy child, just hopping along with a big smile on his face, the next thing he knew, splat. Flat underneath a Russian big Russian 272. <laughs> over him. Well, He's paced now, Mike. Ever after. He's paced. And if he didn't die then, he certainly died in a Western airstrike. Oh shit, lower the tone. All I'm trying to say is that happiness is relative. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Scientists at the University of Copenhagen believe that they can resurrect an extinct species of rat. Nope, not good idea. Now, they're yeah, planning man. not to do it because, quote, probably the world doesn't need any more rats. Yeah. We don't need dinosaurs just before you get that idea. Mm-hmm. You know what? Me and Mike are watching raptors. Me and Mike are working our way through the Jurassic Park movies. Mm. It's all a terrible idea. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. After idea. watching the first three so far, it's not a good idea to bring anything back. The Spinosaurus T Rex fight is amazing, though. It is. Oh, T-Rex. It's not too short, doesn't it? He just slaps his neck. Yeah, it could have gone on a bit longer. Still good. That's why I haven't hated that film because the T Rex was killed off pretty early. I think that three is better than two because two involves a lot more animal cruelty. Two and from one. From humans. Sorry, three and one is an amalgamation of the book. Yeah. If you ever read the book. Yeah, I've read the, the book. The book is like halfway between one and three. Two's nothing to do with it. No, it's not. It's not. It's completely out of the story yeah. arc. But yeah, the book is fantastic. If you ever get a chance to read it, read it. But yeah, really good. I've always liked all of them. I think three is better than two. I know Pete Postlewaite yeah, is great. I'll agree. I'll agree with you. Pete Postlewaite's great in that movie, but at the same time, they're local like, boy. They're ca- yeah. They're caging dinosaurs and electroshocking oh, yeah. them. What about the bit where they're going for the long grass? That's pretty sweet. But at the same time, I don't like to see the animal cruelty. Don't go into the long grass. Animal cruelty. Yeah. I don't like to see the animal cruelty. Those poor robotic animals. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie. I'm sucked in. <laughs> I don't want to see a baby stegosaurus getting cow prodded. No. I don't want to see that. No, it's sweet. Want to see that shit. I'd have that as a pet. Any day of the week, wouldn't you? Until it outgrew your living room. Well, that's what they're, they're doing. They're trying to like, you know, build up that sort of. Well, in the book. Begin against the big they want, they want. In the book, they're trying to miniaturise. They are, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. They miniaturise an elephant. This is kind of where it starts. They actually, yeah. John Hammond miniaturises an elephant. If oh, I'm, I'm is that, is that, damn right. And the whole point is, they've then created dinosaurs. So, kind of without saying it, where it could be going is the miniaturisation. Yeah, so you're a little baby triceratops or little baby T Rex. And this, this them in vivariums. Well, it was like the size of a dog, wasn't it? The yeah. elephant. So you could imagine how small you could make a T Rex. Still have your kids arm off. That, cause at that point your gene is into the point where you say you can have the aggressiveness yeah 
you know, you're pinpointing genes at that point. He's already made them smaller. You should almost size. maybe make it a bloody vegetarian kind of, you know what I mean? If you, if you feed it sushi and that's it. <laughs> but you could certainly have like a miniature raptor the size of a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Little chicken raptors running around. Oh, that'd be terrifying. Taking one of them for a walk on your lead. I actually think they weren't that much bigger than chickens in real life. No, really? they weren't. No, the raptors in Jurassic Park are nothing like the raptors in real life. No, they were, they feathers, they were right? feathered, but they were about six foot tall. I thought they were smaller. No, they were about five to six foot tall. I've got a few really yeah. good dinosaur books at home, like ones he's, from about. In all fairness, how old's your son? How old's your son, Pete? He's six. So he's nearly. dinosaur. You, you, oh, he's dinosaur yeah. crazy. So we've got. At the moment, had, um, well, this is where I've got a nower time dinosaur book. So I got one from when I was a kid, which is really still good. Because when I compare it to the Nower Time yeah. ones... Nower Time? Nower Time? Yeah. <laughs> the present. Nowadays. <laughs> yeah, but we're talking nearly 40 years ago. Yeah. The book that I would have had, that would have been yeah. like 40 oh, years say, ago. Oh, um, I had really technology old ones in the 60s. Mm. And the charity shops. So the technology and the knowledge of the dinosaurs. Yeah, oh, you say. 40 years on, it's grown a hell of yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah of course um, it has, yeah. And there is a lot more corrections in it like like you were just saying about the velociraptor it was not quite like what they showed in Jurassic Park but it was actually feathered and it was a bit a, a bit scrawnier the snout and things like that it had a bit more of a beaky kind of it wasn't the killer they made it out to be in Jurassic Park wasn't it? it wasn't the, the did it still have that nice smile this, oh kind yeah. of girl and it still had the <laughs> it still had the nasty claw yeah well without the claw but, it's not a raptor is it nah well, that was only the the Velociraptor that had that claw. Mm. There was there was a few well, the different raptors, raptors yeah. as well. The Endoraptor. Yeah, that's true. There's different um, ones in there, so yeah. yeah. Still, I love that scene. <laughs> Did nobody get that? The Endoraptor. What? Endoraptor. That, yeah, isn't that the one from the latest Jurassic? Oh, well, I haven't seen the, the last one. Oh, yet. it's it's the new hybrid they made. All right, because uh, let's take an existing deadly animal uh, and make it more deadly. That's what they did in Jurassic Park. Well, no, because it was the Indominus Rex mixed with a raptor. Oh Christ Almighty! <laughs> so, Why would you do that? Because they were fucking uh, mental. Clearly, yeah. I think it might have even had a bit of something <coughs> else in it as well. But does, yeah, does your son like the Jurassic Park film? Loves them. Yeah, I loved them. I loved them as well. As a kid, yeah. I went to the cinema. On, yeah, me too. I was uh, about nine. It was just after my birthday. Ten, no, it would have been ten, eleven. It was released just after my birthday, mm. and then they released the Jurassic World at the same time as they released they the did, 120. Yeah. Cause it was like, and it was funny because I went and watched it for my birthday, and it was like twenty years later, and I'm doing exactly. Well, it, it, it was weird. And I came out with just as big a smile kind of thing. I don't know. I, only, I watched the first one of the new ones. That's all I've seen, but it was a bit crap. You have to watch it twice. Well, we're going to watch it again. Yeah. The second time you watch it, you enjoy it a lot yeah, more. Yeah, uh, once, to be fair. I didn't make it all the way through, in all fairness. Um, when they turned on the uh, gas-powered Jeep, that still worked the first time. Took me out a little bit. The best bit of the film for me was when the theme park, all the dinosaurs were attacking them and... That was the best bit. That was kind of cool, actually. Best thing for me was when Claire got her top wet. (laughs) Well, (laughs) moving on. Next one, Mike. Final fact of the evening. In early drafts of Lord of the Rings, Frodo was named Bingo. (laughs) And Bingo was his name. Bingo Baggins. (laughs) Uh, You know, I've got to watch them films. Hobbit Feet 11. The legs 11. Yeah. But the... They didn't actually have big feet like that in the no. books. No. 
They had hairy feet. They had hairy feet. But they weren't big. No. I think the only reason they were big is because they had to wear things on their feet. So they had to have like prosthetic feet over their feet, which is why the, in the film it made them look like they had big feet because they couldn't just have them running around in bare feet. Gotcha. They had to give them prosthetic yeah, 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 feet-shaped yeah. shoes. So it naturally yeah. made them look bigger anyway. And I think they just had to go with it. That's the only, Maybe, that's yes. the only reason why. Like I guess you go... Yeah, yeah. I've got to be watched that movie. Actually, you know, I've been a long time since I've seen him. No, Lord of the Rings. Should I start from the Hobbit and work yeah. with more? Yeah. But remembering that the Hobbit is nowhere near as good as Lord of the Rings. So start with the three. The three of them. Yeah. I might have to do it. I did it recently. All right, I'll try it. I'll give it a go. And also, let's just have a quick chat briefly. The Jimmy Savile documentary on Netflix. Watched it. We did, did an episode on Savile many years ago, a Christmas episode, because that's what we do at Christmas. Make it as dark as possible. It doesn't get much darker than Savile. We didn't sort of uncover anything else we knew differently about him. I mean, the guy was a manipulating, tricky bastard. What well, it did is it highlighted all those years of how the fuck didn't we see it? Yeah, uh, the one scene for me, my God, it sticks out. I hadn't seen it, that was the thing. Because he used to do the portrait thing at Stoke Mandeville Hospital, he raised all the money for me. He was giving free reign to the place. And there's this girl in bed, like, she's, she can't move, she's got a spinal injury. And she's drawn this picture of him as a fucking demon. And he's like, oh, no, what have I done to you to be drawn like that? And she goes, everything. And you're like, oh, Jesus. He laughs it off. He laughs it off. Yeah. He laughs it off. Oh, I, 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 I pushed you down to the entertainment room the other day. I do everything for you, exactly. And you're like, oh, fucking hell. What have you done to that poor girl who may not still be alive at this point? We don't know. I mean, she was in a pretty bad way then. I, I, I knew he'd been in the mental hospital. I didn't realise he'd been in the normal hospitals yeah. as well. But he then raised all that money for him because he bought them effectively a new wing with all this new equipment. They're like, yeah, of course, you can come. And he did for 28 years. And no one's questioning the guy because he does all this fucking charitable work. It's all the front, wasn't it? It's all the front. Just to take the diversion away. If he hadn't have done that, people would have been on him. But he couldn't say... He's raised 10 million quid in 1980s money for charity. It was religiously motivated as well, wasn't it? Like, you know. Yeah, he wanted to balance out his sins, didn't he? Because he was, yeah. he was hoping that doing all that good would make yeah. the sins that he committed not as bad and still get into heaven. Not a fucking seesaw, is it? <laughs> and I'm sure if... Well, saying that, let's think about it like this. Catholicism and paedophilia. If all the fucking big archbishops and bloody... All these... Big people within the Catholic Church are known to have been a bit with kids, then maybe Catholicism doesn't particularly frown on it. Maybe they're really, you know, I don't know. Well, it's if you repent of <sighs> sins at the end, don't you? You go to heaven. But this yeah. is what I mean. Is it deemed that you can get away with all this shit? So making out that you're Catholic, you're gooder than good is bullshit because you just repent of your sins and That's nobody a, knows any you're all the wiser. in Catholicism, you're all born with guilt, aren't you? And all, the, all your life you spend resolving that guilt and that's why you have to confess your sins. There's obviously some sins you don't confess... Uh, I very much doubt he ever confessed to anyone. The church, you know, even though it says, you know, we don't tell, 
thinking that scenario they have to, don't they? Was a, the whole point of confession was a power was trip. It was to gain information about powerful people and hold it over them. Hmm. Uh, think about all the secrets that they can learn. That's it. So your priests become spies in that scenario, don't they? But, but no, Savile, he was just, like you say, he had the ear of the royal family. Yeah. He was like advising Charles and Diana. I wonder if he was advising Prince Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly Probably taught was. him everything he fucking yeah. knows. <laughs> well, that's where it leads on another thing. Was he procuring kids for these powerful I people? I think he was. That's why they, that's why they protected him. Yeah. I think that's why they... Yeah. Because he was given a knighthood. He knew who the paedophiles were in the establishment. Yeah, I, I think that's... That's why they knighted him and everything. This is why he'd take three of them away on an evening. It wasn't all for him, perhaps... That's it, but these guys are like move from town to town. I'm all, you know, it's like I'm chased out by the, the brothers, husbands, and father. Yeah. But then yeah, there was no allegations. That, I was like, oh, that's so creepy. Isn't yeah. it? But there was no allegations of anybody else. It was all Jimmy Savile did this to me. It wasn't like Jimmy Savile gave it. me to Gary Dinner or. Well, I know what you're saying in that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe. It but was, who knows where the kids who went. Because you can't have that link back, who's to say that the kids who went to the higher ups weren't killed? There's always so many hundred thousand people here in Britain. There were cases of people saying, look, they told, like, it was a friend that was being the witness for him because they'd died years prior and things like that. So who knows whether they died under mysterious circumstances because Savile and his fucking royal gang had kind of killed them as a satanic sacrifice. Yeah. That's going a bit far. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, sorry, I joined into that then. There may have been threats or something saying, "Oh, I'm going to come out and tell everyone about what you're doing." No, and I then think they it was like that or... brazen with it. The women think thought it was, "Oh, this is only me," you yeah. know. So they didn't come forward. Well, it sounds like that is the case, isn't it? There was one story I heard. He was caught one night by a police officer parked up with a young girl, and he's like. You know, is she alright? Yeah, what? How old is she? Legal? Yeah. And uh, he said, "Oh yeah, in a couple of hours she will be. It's his birthday tomorrow." Yeah. Oh, that's you know what I mean? Yeah, old and she's sixteen tomorrow, so she's legal. So you can fuck off. The police officer. Yeah, but he had mates in the higher ups in the Leeds police force. Yeah. So any allegations would come his way. Oh, Jimmy couldn't do that. He's raised ten million quid for charity. He runs marathons. But a new wing at Stoke Mandeville Hospital. Guys, why are they in here? Like, oh, how fucking mad did he dress? Yeah. How, how awful was it? He just looked creepy as fuck constantly. I kind of liked his sense of style. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. He was like 79 and wearing pink fishnet tops and gold hot pants. Did you see him when he went on to Big Brother? Yeah. I, I didn't. I, I, I watched Big Brother. No, you saw it on the documentary. I saw it on the documentary, yeah. And they all loved him. Yeah. We all did, though, still. That's the worst thing. When, just, I the, remember when watching he died it and being like, like, oh, fucking legend. That bloke at the funeral was like, oh, oh Jimmy, he's pure class. Pure class, that guy. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy. Of course. A few months later. That was his public persona, yeah. wasn't it? See, everyone did love him as a kid. Like I said uh, earlier on, off air, as a kid, we watched Jim will fix it. That's how yeah. we knew Jim as he was the nice guy who would do anything for anybody. You wrote him a letter if you were selected, he'd fix whatever. 20,000 a week? You could literally ask him Letters. if he could 
fix something for you. It was a bit like a Make-A-Wish Foundation yeah. in America. Kind of like that. He would grant you your wish for the day. Yeah, but he looked he, like he, everybody's weird uncle. Yeah. <laughs> he, he flew... He flew weird uncle was an understatement. <laughs> he flew a little girl out to India or something, didn't Israel. he? To, uh, India and Israel. To make her a princess for the day mm. and things like that. He gave a duck a fucking aeroplane flight. Yeah. Because <laughs> his duck fly. couldn't fly. You could tell the owner was a young lad, and he could always tell his duck wanted to fly, but never could because he's. Well, it was just random shit like that, well, wasn't it? So they could easily. It's he still, raised ten million for that Stoke Mandeville Centre. Oh, yeah, he, he raised hospital wing. Yeah. He raised forty million in the end. Did he? Yeah, but that was enough to get that first phase done. Yeah. Incredible! It's but yeah, he had us all under his spell. He fooled a nation. Yeah. He used to joke about it, didn't he? Not yeah. just a nation. And he used to drop hints all the time. So, like, someone would ask him about his love life, and he'd say, oh, I'm not saying, but the court date's on Thursday. That's yeah. his thing, wasn't it? Yeah. The court date comes up Thursday. He used to say it a lot as well. Yeah. And it's only looking back now, knowing yeah, what we know, it's like, how the fuck didn't we see this dirty bastard for what he was at the time? Yeah. Mm. Well, it was covered up as well, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. he was never allowed anywhere near children in need. Because they all knew about him, they just never covered. They just, but nothing was ever covered. He was protected. Mm. Thatcher's yeah. got his ear. Yeah. The royal family's got his ear. He's now a sir. He's been made a knight. Yeah, Can't knight let this of the realm. Come out. Well, they protected him, didn't they? So none of it would come out. He had lots of celebrity friends as well. That's the other thing. Yeah, he had lots and lots of celebrity friends like the Beatles. And these are the, like the, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, Elvis right, Presley. Yeah. You know, Elvis is a bit fucking iffy when it comes to uh, well, young girls. Yeah. Fifteen year olds. I bet a lot smart, to be fair. Back then. Yeah. Anyway, should we call that uh, an episode? Yeah. 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 Finish on a high note, eh? Yeah. Thanks for listening. I'm Ben. Don't do the favourite. Don't join a call. Follow us on Facebook at Cutting the Bull in the Post Truth Apocalypse. SoundCloud at Cutting the Bull in the PTA. And YouTube at Apocalypse Ball. Give us a like, a subscribe, and tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. Yeah. I'm in Mike, thanks for listening, peace out, may the force be with you. I've been Claire, keep an open mind, but not so open that it spills out your ears. And I've been Pete, hey Mike, shoot low.